so good uh, just to be here on uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, my name's Russ, and uh, I get the privilege of leading the church here and the team, and uh, it's fantastic just to see so many of you here. Um, today, uh, we're kind of finishing off a series called Just Jesus, and today's uh, message is entitled The Living Hope. In uh, 2021, a couple, of, a couple of years after Catherine and I had got married, we had the opportunity as a, as a physiotherapist and an occupational therapist to go to Uganda to work in a little hospital there uh, called Chiwoko. Um, if we can have the first slide up in that, with the photo of that, that would be great. And uh, there we, um, we, we, uh, we had some fun uh, doing our stuff. And uh, we were there for two weeks at the hospital, um, and we sampled uh, the, their equivalent of McDonald's. This is muck chick on a stick. Uh, there you go. And uh, after the two weeks at the hospital, we decided to go on and travel and see some more of, of Africa. And uh, we'd got in ourselves into Kenya, and then we were crossing the border on a coach trip from Kenya to Tanzania. And uh, we were going to do some safari stuff, and it was all an exciting journey. In going from Kenya to Tanzania, as we got on the bus, we were actually late to the bus, and we realized that we hadn't got our visa stamped to go across the border. And uh, we just thought, we've just got to get on the bus. And we'll get on the bus, and then once we're on the bus, I'm sure it will be okay. We had some traveler's checks that we thought that we could change uh, when we got there. We thought that there would obviously be a somewhere to, to get your visa checked at the border. And so off we went. And we drove on this bus, this rickety old bus, and we crossed the border. And as we crossed the border, I looked at Catherine, and I smiled. There was relief in my heart. Two minutes later, the bus stopped. Armed police and border patrol guys came onto the bus. They were shouting something that I had no idea what they were talking about. I hoped that they had come to say that the bus wasn't fit to drive. I hoped that they had come on the bus to tell the driver that he wasn't fit to drive. I hoped that they weren't going to come and check for my visa. Guess what they did? <laughs> they checked for my visa. I didn't have one. The next thing I knew, I was being bustled off the bus to walk back to the border hut. My wife was still on the bus. I was being bustled off. I went back to the border hut. I had no money. I had no visa. We were separated. And then as I looked out the window, my worst fears came true. The bus started to drive off. I was in Kenya, my wife was in Tanzania. This was supposed to be the holiday of a lifetime. <laughs> the situation for me was hopeless. On the 21st of February this year, President Vladimir Putin made a public address and he said and laid out something of a strategy for a military invasion of Ukraine. On that day, he said that the Ukraine, Ukraine had no history of legitimate statement. 
He said that as a result, history is destiny. And that therefore, the tie that they had with Russia, and as long as it seemed Putin was involved, they would never be able to escape from him. One Russian who read that said that as he heard it, he just, he, he couldn't breathe. And that would have been the case for, for many Russians, but for the case of many Ukrainians, it was the slow squeeze of life out of hope. Hopelessness and the lack of hope is a huge problem for humankind. Dostoevsky, a Russian novelist, he said that to live without hope is to cease to live. And we can hope and go through life hoping in all sorts of things. We can have wishful hope where we hope that the lights will change when we're late for a meeting. We can have expectant hope based on a little bit of fact that Bournemouth are going to get promoted to the Premier League <laughs> this year. We can have expectant hope that our kids will do okay, that our marriage will flourish. But actually, those things are often based on our own works and our own endeavors to underpin those very hopes so that they would come true. You see, one of the biggest problems we have is that we tie our hope to our circumstances. We tie our hopes to our emotions and to our feelings. And we all know that emotions and feelings go up and down. And we all know that circumstances can be great or they can be terrible. And we know that when everything's good, then we're hopeful. But when stuff falls away, we have little hope or no hope at all. I want to tell you today of a biblical hope that goes beyond the grave. And we're going to read about this biblical hope in the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament in the Bible. And uh, we're going to read from uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 3. But before I do, let me just give you a little bit of context. Peter is writing this book. He's writing this letter 1 Peter 2, a church in Asia Minor. These Christians are suffering for the faith that they believe in. The long word for that is persecution. As you read through the book, you can find that they're kind of being overawed by bosses who aren't being very kind to them. They're being ridiculed for their faith on a daily basis, it seems. And there's a sense in which it's not going to get any better. In fact, it's almost predicted that it's going to get worse. And these guys are struggling in this context. And they're, they're saying, how do we continue to live this life that we believe in and trust in in Jesus Christ? 
And Peter's writing to them and he says, what you need is a power. You need a power that will enable you to live against all of this in all of the circumstances and all of the emotions and all of the feelings that is hope forever and is firm hope, sure and secure, a living hope. He says, that's what you need. So let's look at what he says. He says this. Verse three says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. I want to tell you of three God initiatives for that living hope. And the first one is God's motivation. And his motivation is mercy. His great mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You see, Adam and Eve in the garden... had all the hope that they needed. They had a relationship with God that was so intimate and so precious that there was no fear, there was no shame, there was no doubt. There was this perfect harmony of relationship between God the Father and Adam and Eve together. Now there's this moment in the garden, isn't there, where they decided, because the the enemy, the serpent, kind of tempted them, they decided to kind of go their own way and trust themselves and their own life instead of trusting in God. And at that moment, all hope was lost. Something called sin entered the world. And they lived, therefore, in a separation from God. They were separated, just like Catherine and I were separated in two different nations back in 2001. Every one of us since Adam and Eve are born with this sense of pleasing ourselves and living away from God. We tend to hope in our own things, our own desires, rather than his things and his desire. And the reality is, in many ways, we deserve nothing less. We deserve that separation, and we cannot get back to God of our own strength and of our own merit because of the sin that's in our lives. But God doesn't want to leave us like that. His motivation is mercy. Mercy means getting something that you don't deserve. 
Mercy means like grace. It's like you can have it and you don't have to pay for it. Mercy means, as Psalm 103 tells us, tells us that Jesus is, is our hope in everything that we need. He says that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He says that the Father is gracious and compassionate and he is slow to anger. And he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us without hope. And he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. He sent him on a mission to help us to form a bridge so that we could come back to the Father and end the separation. Let's call that bridge the bridge of hope. That was God's motivation. Let's talk about God's method, number two. His method was new birth. He's given us, because of his mercy, new birth into a living hope. You see, the way God works this out is by the people that trust in him, he gives them new birth. You might have heard of this phrase, being born again. And you're like, that's crazy. How can anyone be born again? Well, this isn't a physical rebirth. This is a spiritual rebirth. And that's how all of us can be born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You're no longer separated, therefore, but in this intimate relationship once again, where we have been made new, because our sins have been forgiven, we can now enter into this relationship with God the Father who reaches into us his initiative and creates in us a new heart. And with it comes a new hope and a new future. It's a radical transformation. You might have seen it today. It's where people go from hoping in their own stuff and their desires to hoping in God's stuff and his desire for them. You may have noticed it in every testimony that was spoken this morning. A radical change, not from God, actually, sorry, not from us, not from our works, but from God, who does the work in us. Well, We've looked at his motivation. We've looked at the way that that happens through this new birth that he gives us, which is incredible. What's the means of this? What's the basis of this? Number three, it's his resurrection through Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. This is the pinnacle. I'll read it again. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through the fact that Jesus didn't stay 
dead, but rose again. That's how we can have this new life in him. That's how we can hope again. I mean, it was touch and go. Jesus in the tomb, the disciples, they were disillusioned, disappointed, almost destroyed by the fact that they thought that this Jesus was going to be the saviour. They believed what he'd said. And yet now he was dead. Everywhere he went, this Jesus, he seemed to bring hope and life and love around him. But at this moment in time, it seemed that the only one who could bring that hope had died. Hope was dead. You see, without a resurrection, there is no new birth. There's no mercy. There's no way out. Separated for eternity without a resurrection. But that was until day three. On day three, you know what happened. The stone was away from the tomb. The tomb was empty. Jesus, the grave could not contain him. Death could not beat him. Sin would not destroy him, though he had taken all of our sin upon himself on the cross. He was alive again. He had victory over death. And it's in this moment, friends, that everything changes. Because if one man can conquer death, and he's saying that I can do that for you, then it means that we all can live again forever in eternity. And the writers go to lengths in the Gospels and in the letters to say that that this happened. Jesus showed himself physically to Mary. He showed himself physically to some of the disciples. It says elsewhere that he showed himself to 500 of them. And then to Thomas, he said, put your finger in my wounds. Won't you know I'm alive? I have risen. If raised, if raised, then he's alive, he's here, and he's with us now. Amen? God, thank you that you're with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived and you live and you're still transforming lives today. God, would you reveal yourself to us even in this moment that you're the risen one, that you are there, (laughs) that you love us, with all your heart. We thank you for your presence, Lord. With us. (laughs) Dwelling in many of us through the new heart that you've given us. 
Continue to help us to see you, Lord. Amen. If raised, he's here now. If raised, everything that he said is true. He said he was the bread of life. He said he was the hope of the world. He said he was the light of the world. He said that no one can come to the Father unless they come through me. If raised, all these things are true. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, Paul flips it the other way. He says, if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is futile. He says that our preaching is in vain. He says that what I'm doing today is, is a complete nonsense if Jesus has not been raised. He says your faith is futile and he says that you are still in your sins. <laughs> but we're not because Christ has raised. Our sins have been forgiven. We are a free people. We no longer have a debt to pay because God is with us. And if we cast ourselves on him and trust in his saving work on the cross, then all of our sins can be forgiven. And so can yours. And if all my sins are forgiven, then God is not against me. He is for me. And we all know Romans 8, if you've been around church for a while, Romans 8, 31 says, and if God is for me, then who on earth can be against me? No one. No one can be against us. No one can separate us from his love as he calls us to himself. Let's look just briefly at verse four and five. He says, um, he has given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. There's a promise. Who, through faith, you are shielded through faith by God's power until the coming of salvation, the final day, because if Jesus is alive, then he's coming back for his people, those that have trusted in him on that final day to be ready to be revealed in the last time. Your destiny and eternity is secure in him if you trust in his saving work on the cross and in his resurrection. What does this mean for us? It means that, here's the line, it means that our history does not need to be our destiny. We are not tied to our past. Our past doesn't have to define our future. Our histories, whether it was Luke and an accident and addiction, doesn't define him today because his destiny has been changed through him seeing Jesus and trusting in his life. His destiny has changed. Why wouldn't he open a Caribbean restaurant? Why wouldn't we as the church spur him on to get there as well? 
because he's history. Doesn't need to be his destiny. And nor does yours. What it means too is that we can have a strong confidence, (laughs) a hope that is not at a whim of our feelings or our circumstances, but is because of the resurrection and it's in Christ. A hope that can be firm and secure. Hebrews 6 verse 9 says, this hope, it's like an anchor for our souls. Steadfast, sure, firm, secure. No longer bobbing around in a, on a lilo in a, on the ocean at the whim of the current, at the whim of the waves and the big fish. And we're anchored through Jesus Christ, his cross and his resurrection. A hope that goes beyond the grave, not based on our own work, but on his work, because that is mercy, because that is grace. We didn't deserve it, but God gives it as a gift for us to enjoy it. And that's why we can dance on Easter Sunday. Our histories have been changed. Do you want to hear the end of the story about the transition from Kenya to Tanzania? <laughs> no, there's no time. <laughs> Let's bring the band up. As I saw the bus leaving that my wife was on, I legged it out of the hut. I thought, I don't care anymore. I just want to be with my wife. <laughs> Started running down the road for fear that I was just going to be gunned down by some border patrol guy. And as they, <laughs> they grabbed me and said, look, let's reunite you. I'm terrible English. And we got back um, onto the bus together. We still had no money, no visa, not a lot of hope. Do you know what? As I was praying and running <laughs> at the same time towards the bus, when we got back on that bus, there was a wonderful African couple who... I've never met before and I've never seen again. The guards were after a bribe. They paid the bribe for Catherine and I so that we didn't have to. And we sat down on that bus and we just looked at each other and said, it is the grace of God. It is the, that is a picture of the gospel that we were separated from God. We were separated from each other, reunited. Someone had paid to help us go free, as it were, and to get to our next destination. I want to just say to you this morning, wherever you come from, your history does not have to be your destiny. Jesus Christ can change your life beyond measure and you can know him today it is the power of hope that helped those 
Christians in Asia Minor to live out their life and to love others in the same time, and it helps us each as Christians in the place today. But if you're not a Christian here, if you're not a believer in Jesus, this sure and steadfast hope is the need for every soul. It is the hope for transformation and is the possibility for your transformed destiny. We're gonna sing a song called Living Hope. Let's sing it together.